Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to violence, the word and the act. While violence cloaks itself in a plethora of disguises, its favorite mantle still remains sex. Violence devours all it touches, its voracious appetite rarely fulfilled. Yet violence doesn't only destroy, it creates and molds as well. Let's examine closely then this dangerously evil creation, this new breed, encased and contained within the supple skin of woman. The softness is there, the unmistakable smell of female. The surface, shiny and silken. The body yielding yet wanton. But a word of caution, handle with care and don't drop your guard. This rapacious new breed prowls both alone and in packs. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. <laughs> Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on site. Sure, no, yeah, we do this every time that we bop our heads to the song. Yeah. Like <laughs> Behind the scenes for you. Um, <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. The, the, the intro used to not be quite so long, so it, it, I just keep laughing at our, at, our, at, our, at us, laughing at ourselves, bobbing our heads while mm-hmm. this, this, this three-minute intro. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, welcome back. It's They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 223. <laughs> I'm your host, Lee, of Legal Age for Whiskey, Voting, and Loving Russell, uh, joined by my co-host, as always, Daniel, like a velvet glove, cast in iron, Harper. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and I just uh, realized that 223 is a prime number. Always nice to have uh, guests, new guests on for uh, prime number episodes. Okay. Uh, 
I just like having new guests on, but uh, well, that too, that too, but you know, and, and, and a female one at that, you know, because this is way too much of a fucking sausage party most of the time. So yeah, in, indeed, indeed. And our guest, uh, a good friend of mine, Lee. I never try anything; I just do it. Hardy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be on here. Actually, I want a prime number show and with that intro makes it all better <laughs> right on right on and uh this time out we're doing a film that uh, lee actually picked from our list our master list to do she's like i want to do this and i was like well that's a good way to end off our year i think because uh, this will be the last episode of 2020 which was just a piece of shit if there ever was one for a year so uh shitty year good podcast year mm-hmm. ironically enough yeah that's how we Lots met movies this year that's right so, because you're new on this podcast, uh, Lee, you get to play the movie God game. Are you a god? When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Movie God. Lee's really getting into the soundboard. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the longer he has the soundboard, the more he's like, I don't have to talk. Button, push, go. All right. They can do everything for me. I should just record all my fucking segments on the soundboard and just let him go. Oh, I really like this movie. It was like really feminist and, and awesome. And I'll just put that as a clip. And then just hit a button that just says, you know, Daniel, what do you think? And then just listen to me talk. And then just, you know, rely on me to produce all the rest of the content. Which, Don't you know. fucking tempt me to do that, because I might try that at some point. <laughs> You'll be like, why does Lee have his camera off tonight? No reason. None, none at all. It's not working properly. <laughs> he had to go for a piss break, you know. Yeah, I just got a couple of clips here. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, give me, just give me, like, an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Lee, the way this game works is you are the movie god, and I'm going to give you two things, either director, composer, movie, something relating to the film industry, two things, and you got to destroy one of them. Basically, you're erasing them from the timeline, they never existed, and you have to consider the consequences of destroying them and never having them in the current timeline. So, So this is actually... This was way more difficult for me because even though I have known you for, what, maybe half a year now, I don't know your movie uh, preferences all that well uh, outside of me, like, giving you, like, horror movie recommendations and stuff and you coming back and saying, oh, that was really good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I tried to be a little bit more general with this, and Daniel can also contest that I pretty much have a losing record on Movie God. Usually I I come up with two things, and I'm I'm like, oh, this is going to stump this motherfucker. And then they're like, oh, no, I just killed this guy. And it's like, you fucking asshole. And the point is to like make you suffer. Like that's actually the point of the game mm-hmm. is to actually give you two things that you're, that you both love. Right. And then one of which will have a cascading effect across. So like, if you gave you like jaws and the Godfather or something mm-hmm. like, and you have to destroy one of those two, then like you're either destroying Coppola's career or you're destroying Spielberg's career. Like yeah. for instance, you know, <laughs> See, the thing is, like, I probably won't know the association of a lot of the movies. 
so it'll be very much like okay whatever <laughs> yeah Here, here's the thing I, I i've decided already once i learn your movie taste better we're gonna do it again and i'm gonna come okay. up with something that's really gonna fucking smoke you but okay uh, i i will be with that i will agree right. with that this will be like intro round like this is warm-up round yeah okay so uh you're the movie god lee okay and uh these are two actors that are somewhat contemporary they've had long careers but very sort of vastly divergent careers they've both become leading men in certain respects and have done some very impressive work and some very just you know very commercial work um, but they come from very different backgrounds. Uh, you're the movie god. You must eliminate either Tom Hanks or Harrison Ford. Um. So, <laughs> so you got to think about what both of these uh, actors have done in their career and sort of sort of work your way through it. You can you can talk through it. Uh, feel can free. Can I like to... search them up too? Because I don't remember what they're in. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, and the in the uh, like again the if you if you if you feel at all uh, disinclined to actually kill these people, uh, you we usually say they just don't have a career. Like Tom Hanks goes and you know does stand up for you know. In no, comedy. no, no, no. You you right. usually say that. I don't say that. <laughs> as far as well, I'm concerned, uh, movie god game, you're destroying somebody from existence. So <laughs> don't even. Harrison Ford just goes off and does his carpentry thing for a while, and then eventually uh, becomes an uh, a rescue operator of uh, helicopters. Oh, he shouldn't be. He, he shouldn't world. be flying anything. Like, <laughs> given his <laughs> recent history, no. Yeah. But yeah, you gotta kind of think. Um, okay, so I I might go a little cheap on this one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure I've watched a lot less Tom Hanks movies than Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. So it would probably have to be Tom Hanks versus Harrison Ford because I've appreciate like the more actiony side versus like the more I don't know. I find him more like a well, like I'm, I mean, like the, the first half of Tom Hanks' career really is just focused on comedy, right? Yeah. Like, like he, but I'm I lean more towards action. Mm -hmm. like I'm so you'll definitely you won't see Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan. Um, Somebody else is going to be the co-star of Bosom Buddies. Maybe Tony Danza. <laughs> Maybe Tony, Tony Danza Gaines. has uh, Tom Hanks' career in this alternate universe. Yeah. Tony like, Danza think... goes on to be the Saving Private Ryan <laughs> guy, you know? Who, bada well, bing, bada boom. I've never yeah. seen Saving Private Ryan. You've never I've... seen Saving Private Ryan? No, I, like, there's oh. a lot of movies that I haven't seen from him. That's why, like, when you said it, I was like, you don't even understand. Like, Tom Hanks is, like, one of those actors that, as much as he's made so many movies, I think I've seen two of them. And one of them I've only seen parts of. Like, Castaway, I've seen, like, bits and pieces. I've never seen from beginning <laughs> to end. And sure. Big was the only one I've watched from beginning mm -hmm. to end. Really? Yeah, oh. Harrison Ford, I've seen a lot more movies. So that's why it was kind of, like, an easier choice. Like, I've, I've seen a lot more Harrison Ford movies. I thought I thought it was going to be like, oh, she's she's obviously seen the Burbs at some point, and she's going to be like, God damn, I can't, I can't get rid of the Burbs. Like, that... <laughs> I have a really weird selection of movies. Like I've seen some, like a bunch of weird underground movies that I couldn't even tell you the names of anymore. And then I've seen like a lot of really popular ones. I've just never watched. Mm -hmm. So, 
So this is the difficulty. That's, that's kind of what we do. That's kind of what we do here too. So mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. This is this is the difficulty where Daniel and I are old men. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, Tom Hanks, you're dead. Uh, Sorry, Tom Hanks. Yeah. If you ever listen to this, it's this not for too. I think this is an interesting one. Yeah. I, Tom Hanks is a listener, actually. You yeah. Know, he emails us all the time. He's a fan. So okay. Um, so yeah. he's gonna he's gonna like block and delete me from everything social media and curse my name. <laughs> She's an awful uh, human being. I, I don't think he's got that much time on his hands. Like, he's got. He's got I don't his have mo- that much social media. So he's, he's got his movie career, and then he's got listening to this podcast. That's all Tom Hanks. Does. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. and a bawling Rita Wilson. That's that's the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so well, you go first, Daniel. Who, who would you eliminate from this? I mean, I pretty much have to agree. I mean, just on the. Uh, I mean, I think Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison Ford doesn't do the Oscar baby stuff, but I think he's a more interesting actor overall. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, like Philadelphia or Forrest Gump, I mean, Forrest Gump maybe doesn't even get made without Tom Hanks. And that's just a better thing for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never seen I mean, that you movie know. either. You yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, well, you know, it beat out Pulp Fiction for uh, Best Picture that year. And so Which, that by itself is really actually it beat out a lot of stuff that year. Yeah. So um, it's, it's yeah, the mo- it's probably the most Oscar Beatty of Oscar Beatty films ever made in the 90s. I kind of think like. It's pretty. I mean, they, <laughs> I, mean I, do, I mean, they made fun of it in Tropic Thunder, like you know the the whole never go full artard uh, thing, you know, like right. They, they were like, no, you know, you never go that that much. Into Although that I think direction. that was more a, a reference to Jack at that point. The uh, oh Sean yeah, this, that's true. No, that's not true. Jack. No, what was um, is, no Jack is the uh, Robin Williams it has the aging syndrome. It was oh, called. Um, uh, Oh God! What's the Sean Penn movie? <laughs> the fact that we don't know it tells you all you need to know about how yeah. good that movie actually was. But uh, but no, I actually agree. I think Tom Hanks is the better choice. I think you get a more interesting. I think Harrison Ford has a more interesting career overall, even though he's mm. kind of been, you know, you know, basically Tom Hanks just does a bunch of prestige pictures these days. So you know, yeah. I mean, you'd lose a lot of great stuff in the eighties and the in the nineties, but you know, ultimately, I mean, if he'd retired when. Harrison Ford did. I think the film industry overall would be better. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I would. You know what? I probably, as much as I kind of, I, I would kind of like say I love the Burbs more than yeah. probably anything else from Harrison Ford that I've ever seen. And and, yeah. and I do like Harrison Ford. Don't get me wrong, but um, I I just love the Burbs so much. Yeah. But, that's a fair. Uh, that's a fair response. But um, yeah, I probably would eliminate Tom Hanks. He he mean like in the grand scheme of things, he means less than Harrison Ford does overall when it comes to just filmmaking in general. I guess. But and in the Harrison Ford is gone universe, then uh, Tom Selleck ends up being Indiana Jones, and maybe he has that's, that. Oh, that's right here. Yeah. I mean, he he was literally they shot segments of him in Raiders of the Lost mm-hmm. Ark, so you know, entirely possible. They just go, well, we don't have Harrison Ford around. Maybe Tom Hanks gets that role, and you know, he has. The- oh, maybe he becomes yeah. the action star. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> he becomes a, he he has like Tom Cruise's career now. You know, he's like this like sixty year old badass. Anyway, yelling at people on set to put the COVID masks on. Yeah, <laughs> he gets way into Scientology. Did did you did you hear the audio of that? I did not listen to the audio, no. Oh, my God. Fucking Tom Hanks 
or not Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, fucking screaming at people on the set of the recent Mission Impossible film, I think it was. Mission Impossible 7 or something, yeah. Something like that. A couple, couple people on the crew were not following the COVID thing, and he just, like, lit into them, like... You know, basically, you know, I see you without a mask, you're fired, you're out of the fucking industry, you're gone, you're jeopardizing everything. Like, little, you, you could probably, you know, simmer it down a little bit there, <laughs> Tom, yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. But, but I'm I mean, mad at that, but yeah, but, yeah, but I, I do, I do, you know, agree with the sentiment, although at the same time, you're, you're a crazy Scientologist piece of shit. So yeah, <laughs> also, also you're making like 20 or $30 million to be here and like mm-hmm. whatever PA you're yelling at, you know, is not. So, you know, maybe, yeah. Your 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 soapbox is lined with gold right now, you know. So you might want to step <laughs> off it for a bit, you fucker. But you know, still, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so we can move on from that. Uh, you did very okay. well, uh, Lady Thank Lee, you. and I will get you next time. Once I once I learn your secrets, your movie uh, likes and dislikes to a point where I can destroy you, and we'll have you back, and just for that. We'll we'll kick you off the podcast, right? Just right after that, we'll kick you off the podcast. We don't care what you think about The Godfather Part 2 or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, Yeah. I don't hold a grudge. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I feel feel slightly uncomfortable. (laughs) In my defense, like, the both of you answered pretty quickly as well. So it's not as if, like, it was a big debate. It was a pretty, like, even... No, we, yeah. we all, no, we yeah. all there's no there's no criticism of you for 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 that response that that was not that was not the thing lee just wants to torture you more so okay you know, like, yeah you know. i understand we, we all we all agree <laughs> that my that my choices for movie god were terrible and let's move well, on lee and i used to play this all the time like in the first like 40 episodes or so we used to play it uh-huh. every few episodes and then we just kind of got tired of doing it to each other and so then we uh just do it to new guests now so yeah okay. that's that's the tradition so yeah okay so we can move on to uh comments now uh we got one from uh von uh Kuhlmeier. he says finally a good booby movie i've seen a ton of <laughs> russ meyer films and i have to say this is uh, by far one of my favorites probably top five and i mean yeah not not controversial there vaughn at all that i mean <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> yeah. well that's that's what russ Myers is pretty much known for like he liked his busty ladies so mm-hmm. yeah. busty lady ladies who kick the asses of really meek men, basically. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend Alistair Wallace from uh, Get Soft, Dr. Snuggles, the best softcore podcast on the internet, <laughs> uh, says, what a masterpiece. And I think, you know, spoilers, I kind of agree. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have uh, Martin Stone Hennessy <clears throat> chiming in, uh, also on Facebook here. Uh, like the previous two comments, Wild women, belted, buckled, and booted. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That Very is, true. That's the mood here with this thing. Yeah. Uh, now we're moving to our uh, YouTube comments. And we have one from uh, Magdi L. Shafi. And this is on our uh, Alfredo Garcia episode. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, and he said, uh, advising to watch... Assault on Precinct 13, that is a classic low-budget masterpiece, and that's something we'll eventually get to, yeah. Um, have you, yeah, John Travolta. You, John Travolta, yeah. No. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you threw me there for a second. Like, what? <laughs> uh, but you've seen that before, haven't you, Daniel? Yeah, I've seen it. It's been yeah, a long yeah. time. It's been like 20 years, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one we'll eventually get to. Uh, and then he goes on to say, and there's something in common about Peckinpah's uh, point of view on women and violence between Straw Dogs and The Getaway and Alfredo Garcia. Well, yeah, I mean, Peckinpah's themes kind of run through all of his films, pretty much. Just like Russ Meyer, really, like the, you know. Very, very yeah. much. They they wear well, their. They certainly have their. They certainly have their opinions about women, and mm-hmm. they are not the same. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now we got to a big comment here. Uh, this is from a, a constant commenter on our YouTube version of everything, and this is from Shadowman four seven one zero on our Hound of the Baskervilles Pearl of Death episode. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he says, so I started to go through the catalog of uh, Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes films available on YouTube this week, only to discover I hadn't actually seen either one of these before. I guess I had The Hound of the Baskervilles confused with the versions available out there. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised to find that I, was, uh, I really liked this version, maybe more than I liked the 59 Hammer version with Peter Cushing. And he says, I think I can see why you guys didn't like it as much, but for me, it basically comes down to three things. First, the most importantly, is Rathbone's absolutely confident portrayal as Holmes in his very first appearance in the role. In later films, he strikes me as being somewhat bored with the part. Hardly surprising, since he did 14. Um, but 14 of them in like four years or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but here he's totally in his element. He's charming, witty, with a wry sense of humor, capturing, I think, the essence of Holmes without being a total dick or a robot, which you guys point out is sometimes a risk you take when adapting these stories. Uh, another reason is that Nigel Bruce, who usually annoys me with his portrayal of Watson as a bumbling idiot, manages to keep it toned down quite a bit in this one. By the end of the series, he'd gotten so bad he completely destroyed the character, at least in my opinion, but here he's actually useful for the most part. Since Watson does have a bigger part in the novel, that only makes sense, which is true. Like That novel is mostly Watson's story. Sherlock Holmes just kind of shows up as like uh, a deus ex... <laughs> he shows ex- up in the middle. <laughs> yeah, like, like deus ex machina. You've been working on it for two weeks. I solved it ten minutes ago. Yeah. 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 You, you've been here for no reason, really. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Watson. Uh, then he goes, the third reason is where I think I disagree with you guys the most on. I thoroughly enjoyed the look of the film, and I think they got the atmosphere down pretty well well i found the moors to be pretty haunting and creepy no it's not as good as the universal horror films of the era but i thought it was still pretty effective uh then he goes on to say as for the pearls of death uh or the pearl of death while i don't know what i liked um i don't know that i liked it more than hound i agree that it was still pretty good for a b pitcher the criminal trio are all pretty effective and yeah that point early on in the film where Holmes royally screws up and gets several people um, fucked up because because of it is enjoyable, if only to knock down the great detective a couple of notches. As much as I love the original series, Holmes does tend to come off as nearly infallible, and that's just not all that entertaining to watch. So two good films for me, and I appreciate the discussion as always. Yeah. 
I appreciate the comment. Uh, he yeah, took definitely. a while. He, he took a while for that one. Uh, thank you very yeah. much, man. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm no notes you... on that. I mean, you know, like yeah. I mean, that's mm. that's an opinion. I I think it's valid. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. nothing really to argue with there. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, I thought. I mean, I seem to recall saying I thought the um, the look of Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, I thought it looked pretty good, honestly. For, for what it was, I and mean, yeah. I mean that's that's before Universal actually took up running the series, right? It was that was that was yeah, like I the, believe so, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I think it worked. I mean, the the whole they used one set for the Moors, and they redressed it like several times, and I thought it looked great. So, uh, yeah, I think I think maybe uh, the negativity of that came through from that episode was largely me because I was bored by most of basketballs. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, so we got, so uh, thank you guys for the comments. And of course, as always, uh, you can leave comments on our Facebook page or you can uh, go to our uh, page on Podbean, tmbdos.podbean.com, and you'll find the email address listed there that you can send a mp3 to if you so do choose and we'll play it on the show live and respond to it uh, but uh, we will now go to our break and we'll play a little bit of uh, podcast promos and some music and then we'll come back and talk about Faster Pussycat Kill Kill You ungodly warlock Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it. This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags, signing off. Eat a dick. Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of companeros get together, and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of an interesting, lesser-known cult-type movie, and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. I might have a listen one day. Wow. You ungodly warlock.
now we're going to talk about Faster Pussycat Kill Kill from 1965, directed by Russ Meyer. And here is the trailer. Sorry for the length of it. <laughs> if you want one. Ladies and gentlemen, go, go for a wild, wild ride with the Watusi cats. But beware, the sweetest kittens have the sharpest claws. For your own safety, see Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Wild women, wild wheels, race the fastest pussycats, and they'll beat you to death. Superwoman, salted, wild, and booted. You're wasting yourself on this kid and hanging us up for nothing. For nothing? You got nothing to do with the money. She is the money. Jack and Jill, they make a mafia look like brownies. <laughs> Hey, he's a big one, ain't he? That must have all the way to his ears. Yeah. 10% of your action be enough for anyone. Too much for one man to handle. And again, you never can tell. You girls a bunch of nudists, or you just, uh, short of clothes? Right now, you're first on my list. And I always have to You've only got one channel. And your channel's busy tuning in outside. You really should be AM and FM. So who do I get to take care of? The muscle man? You got two of everything. And some left over. You did want. You wanted big. Breast or thigh, darling? Why don't you take one of each, son? They uh, both look tender. He's got a big motor to feed. I'll give you a huge beard. My motor never runs shot, baby. You were too rough the last time. All right, here's how it works. Everybody's got to go. You name it, we've got it. Faster pussy can kill. Delivers tons more than the opposition. Unladylike karate chops. Ungentlemanly haymakers. Spirited gymnastics. Corrective table legs. Sandbox jousting. Or a muscle-bound cat wrestling with a roaring sports car that's intent upon squashing him like a grape. Bizarre kidney and chassis rattling chases. And for the first time on the screen, a haymaking, belly-busting, karate-chopping, judo-flipping fight to end them all. Superwoman against man. The prize, life itself. Slashing, tackling, gouging, hacking, flipping, belting, smashing, and blasting. Muscle to muscle, bone to bone. For an incredible evening's entertainment, a film so totally satisfying, see Russ Meyer's faster pussycat. Kill, kill. Well, they don't sell that film at all, do they? <laughs> <laughs> That's two that's two minutes and forty five seconds. That's one of the longest trailers I've ever listened to. <laughs> it's so intense though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's funny, like sometimes it really is just like only having the audio verse and it's like, well, yeah, that was a trailer. <laughs> uh so so Daniel, the last guess when the last time we talked about a Russ Meyer film was? Uh it was the immoral Mr. T's. You motherfucker, you already looked it up. Okay, episode 23. That's how that far back. That long ago? Jesus Christ. No. So, uh, 200 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, 200 episodes ago. Yeah. Another prime number as well. Ooh, so, check that out. Fuck, there's some sort of like astral convergence going on. It was meant um, to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, Ma Faster Pussycat Q Kill, uh, of course, directed by uh, Russ Meyer. This is also known as Faster Pussycat Go Go. 
Faster Pussycat, Wham Bang, The Leather Girls. Probably the more accurate title, Wham Bang, mm-hmm. given how many oh. people were killed by cars in this movie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, Le- the Leather Girls and The Man Killers. Oh. Uh, the uh, the writers here, uh, Russ Meyer and uh, someone called Jackie Moran, who was apparently a child actor who mostly retired after 1947 and began screenwriting. Uh, he acted in Meyer's Wild Gals of the Naked West from 1962 and Common Law Cabin from 67. And we get into the cast here. So first off, of course, we have uh, Tura Santana as Varla. And this is Tura Luna Pascola. Yamaguchi, who was uh, born in Japan and raised in Chicago. Um, her mother was, I think, uh, American Indian. Uh, so it's it's half Japanese, half American Indian for her exotic looks. Um, started exotic dancing when she was only 13 years old. Uh, and she did not have a big career as far as movie goes. Um, this is actually pretty much her biggest role. Uh, she had a, like uh, some uncredited roles here for uh, our man Flint. She had a bunch of TV roles because she was actually good with martial arts, so she could do stunts and stuff like that. Uh, her only other significant movie role, though, was uh, in The Astro Zombies from 1968, which is a piece of shit. <laughs> but we might cover it at some point, just, you know, just for fun, but uh, yeah. Uh, we move on now to Haji as Rosie. This is uh, Barbarella Catton, who is a British of British and Filipino descent, Canadian American. She was born in Quebec, Canada, and began mm. stripping at age fourteen. Um, I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah, I, I think both of these uh, women were actually uh, discovered, quote unquote, by Russ Meyer at a certain uh, club that he frequented a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, she was in Russ Meyer's uh, Motor Psycho from the same year, which is actually kind of, in a way, kind of faster pussycat kill kill, but the male version, because it, it kind of has sort of the same trio of uh, crazies, but it, it's just men instead kind of doing the thing. Um, Do they wear the same outfits? No. No, they no. don't, uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, she was also in Good Morning and Goodbye from 67, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls from 70, Super Vixens from 75, and uh, an oddball sort of thing in her credits here. And I mean, most of her parts after Russ Meyer were bit parts, and even most of her parts with Russ Meyer were bit parts. But um, she was in John Cassavetti's The Killing of a Chinese Bookie from 1976 as like, just like a dancer or something like that. But... Um, <coughs> That, that's kind of a trend that happens here uh, with, with a lot of our female uh, characters in this. Uh, Lori Williams is Billy. Um, didn't have much of a career at all outside of this. Uh, she is notable as being the only female in a Russ Meyer film that needed like padding in her bra to make her boobs bigger, basically, which yeah. is <laughs> uh, both interesting and depressing trivia uh, to a certain degree. Um but she had. She also had bit parts in uh, Our Man Flint and The Poseidon Adventure, of all things. No, which is, interesting. Yeah. Uh, we go on here. Ray Barlow as Tommy. Sue Bernard as Linda. Uh, she's notable as a Playboy Playmate from uh, December 1966. The first Jewish <coughs> Playmate. Um, mother of Joshua, John Miller, and Jason Miller, who were uh, writers and actors and uh, I think Joshua John Miller still like produces a couple movies now. Uh, 
So she she did uh, at the very least have sons who are bigger Hollywood talent than what she kind of uh, achieved in her career, I guess. Um, but were they in faster pussycat kill kill? No, they no. weren't. Which that, that's that's yeah. definitely one thing they can't say. Uh, Michael Flynn as gas station attendant. He was also <laughs> in Russ Meyer's Mud Honey and Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Uh, we have Dennis Bush as the vegetable. This is his only role. Which mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he had the body. He, he could have gone on to be an actor and other stuff. I think, and yeah. I think you know he. He plays the you know mentally challenged uh, <coughs> strong man pretty well, I'd say, pretty perfectly. Um, Stuart Lancaster is the old man. He was in Russ Meyer's Mud Honey and Super Vixens and Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. He was also in The Born Losers, which is the first Billy Jack film uh, before Billy Jack you know became a prominent character. Um, he, he also uh, he. He probably had the longest career outside of one other person in this. Um, he he worked way up until like the '90s and maybe even the 2000s. He he was in uh, Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. So oh. uh, yeah, so he, he got he got himself some parts. Uh, Paul Trinka as Kirk didn't have much of a career after this, uh, and we have John Furlong as the narrator, and he probably has the most impressive career out of anybody in this. Uh, just tons of credits. He was with, as far as Russ Meyer goes, he was actor in uh, Mud Honey, Common Law Cabin, and Vixen, and he used his voice talents on Super Vixens and Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, and uh, that rounds out the cast. Uh, we have a synopsis here from Ed Sutton on IMDb, and he says, Three strippers seeking thrills encounter a young couple in the desert. After dispatching the boyfriend, they take the girl hostage and begin scheming on a crippled old man living with his two sons in the desert, reputedly hiding a tidy son of cash. They become house guests of the old man and try to seduce the sons and attempt to locate the money, not realizing that the old man has a few sinister intentions of his own. And I, yeah, that's a pretty good back of the box synopsis. Isn't, aren't go-go dancers different from strippers, though? Like, wasn't there like go-go dancers and there were strippers? Like, there was a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I remember. Like, like go-go dancers, they wear very little clothes. But you know, like, I get the impression that these three weren't, you know, taking their tops off in the clubs or anything like that. Yeah, because I think they're just dan- well, go-go dancers. Because strippers were actual strippers and go-go dancers were go-go dancers. Like there was. Mm. Different. I'm not saying. I would, I, just, I would imagine. I would imagine that some people actually did both at different yeah. times. Yeah, you know. But yeah, no. The, the go-go, the go-go dancer was a like a, a particular moment in like a pop culture history as well. I mean, it didn't yeah. last that long, but it was sort of in that sort of transitional phase between, you know, kind of the the beginning of the sexual revolution in the mid '60s up until the time which you know you could actually you know do stripping in like semi reputable places in the '70s, I guess. Feels like a, um, feels like a like a bridge from burlesque to like actual like full on strippers in a strip club kind of idea, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, as we usually do when we have a new guest, uh, we'll we'll throw right to you, uh, Lee. What are your sort of general thoughts on this film? And and is this a what what's what's the first time you've seen this? By the way, as well. Okay, so I actually have a really funny story as to like why I watched this movie. Um, I think I was, I want to say I was in my 20s. Yeah, I was in my 20s when I watched it. Um, was it my 20s? I can't remember. Anyways, it was, um, 
during the time when Britney Spears was trying to get her career back and Quentin Tarantino uh, was thinking of doing Fast Cook Pussycat Kill Kill, like a remake, and using Britney Spears. And uh, the reason for it was because, like, uh, he wanted to revive her her career, kind of like what he did with... um, Ah, what's his face? John Travolta. Uh, yes, John Travolta yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah, so uh, as soon as I saw that, I got curious and I decided to watch it. So that was like my first time watching it. I can't remember exactly how old I was. I just remember it was a, a while ago because uh, it was either early 20s or late teens and now I'm 32. So like a good chunk ago. But yeah, that was the big reason why I decided to watch it. Mm-hmm. And what, so. what are your sort of general thoughts on it? Okay, so I, I I have like a love hate for this for this movie. Uh, first of all, I love it because it represents like a lot of strong females, and it's really cool because it's a lot of girls with like rough backgrounds, right? Like, um, uh, Tura was uh, married at thirteen uh, by an arranged marriage, and uh, from what I was reading, she actually uh, was gang raped at like the age of ten. Like something crazy like that. So like she had a really rough past, and then yeah, she and came, per her Wikipedia page, she tracked down all those guys that gang raped her yeah. and mm-hmm. beat the shit out of them. It's like, wow, that's it's like I spit on your grave style. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I kind of have a, a massive amount of respect for her because like any girl who's been through like a rough upbringing and then just being a female alone who like showed a lot of skin, it was really as seen as like negative and awful. So it was um, a massive push, like for the respect of like women, right? Like Mus- uh, Russ Myers loved his women and he loved busty women. And uh, it was almost seen as sexist, but uh, even if you think about it, like Madonna was seen as this like sex icon back uh, back then, and Russ Myers was respecting those women, so like he he loved those kind of women. So yeah, that's my love for it. That was where I'm like, this is an awesome movie. These women are like hardcore fucking. Oh sorry, but yeah, hardcore. Awesome no, you people. can you can swear all you want. <laughs> you on this. swear, okay. me, we swear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I couldn't remember, but they yeah they were like hardcore tough women and i love that uh and uh, and my hate kind of goes on for like the fighting scenes <laughs> they were they were so bad <laughs> ah, well i mean and, and i can i can i can speak to this i do know that uh that lee here is actually a trained fighter so she can oh, see nice. the holes she can see the holes and that sort of thing yeah yeah so i i did um I did jujitsu for like 13 years and then i did mma and kickboxing for a while um so <laughs> when it came to watching them fight uh i was almost frustrated <laughs> like i know it was back in the day and i'm pretty stoked that she did it like the fighting scene she was there so i can't complain about that and it was like in the 60s so i can't totally complain but like our movie had a really cheap budget and our fight scenes were so much better <laughs> that's all uh, i gotta say <laughs> yeah yeah Pl- plug you plug your movie by the way right now just just do it Okay, uh, so I was in a movie. Uh, it was it's called the uh, Ghost Beaver Kick. It was filmed locally in North Bay, um, and it was basically uh, done in all local lo- locations, like all around. And all the actors are local, and it was a lot of fun. It was just a short film. It was about thirty nine minutes long, and uh, it was like stereotypically Canadian uh, with the whole nineteen eighties <laughs> bad martial it's arts. Ghost 
beaver kick like Ghost uh, beaver kick yeah canada right like i mean mm. just... yeah yeah so uh it's on youtube like the full length mm-hmm. movie's on youtube so you can definitely go watch it uh, <laughs> i have an accent that just kind of disappears i like start speaking a french accent and then it slowly goes away and then it comes back again mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be cheesy and bad so even the dubbing's off like it's totally terrible um <laughs> another thing i had a, a really good laugh about was uh every time they drive like you see all the, like they're in the desert and there's all this sand blowing away and then they pan to them and their hair's kind of blowing but there's no sand yeah <laughs> <laughs> and again again it reminded me of uh the again i'm sorry i'm gonna do this again but um uh, the film that I did, like the short film I did, when I was on the skidoo and I was bouncing, but my hair's not moving. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Like, just it's just, like they try to make it seem like you're driving, but it really shows that it's fake because just like the simple things that are missing, mm-hmm. and they're like constant jerking of the steering wheel. Yeah, moving yeah. magic, baby. Moving <laughs> yeah, magic. No, no, it's, it's the verisimilitude. It just jumps off the screen. You know? Yeah. Overall, I did love it. Like, don't get me wrong, I did love it. I just had a really big laugh with a lot of things, like the race when she keeps looking in the rearview mirror. I'm like, girl, you'll probably stand first if you keep looking at the road, not the rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen a lot of these kinds of movies, like these uh, these kind of racing movies of the of the era? I mean, just out of I mean, sorry, just out of curiosity, you know, like what's your familiarity with this kind of uh, material? I watched, um, oh my God, I can't remember names right now. Bullet? Yeah, Bullet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I watched that one. So I kind of have that. And then and I watched like one of the greatest examples of a car chase movie ever made. And yeah. this one didn't quite live up to the, to the status. <laughs> Is that what you're arguing? No, but I, I did see that one. And I also watched like uh, all the, the older James Bond movies. So sure. all the, the racing scenes and the chase scenes that they had, I watched all of those. So I know what they were they weren't like experts at doing race scenes, but yeah. it was just, no, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, I was just, I was just kind of giggling at the, at the juxtaposition. Oh. <laughs> well, I've seen bullet and I've seen faster fussy cat kill kill. And, uh, you know, one of these seems slightly less professional than the other. I don't know why. <laughs> I never said, I never said that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just, we're just, we're just being funnier. Yeah. I just yeah. using you. Um, no, I just, I just think it's, uh, it's just it's just like okay i i'm not a trained actor but it's just small things like i feel as if if i keep looking in a mirror that's not looking forward while i'm racing i'm going to crash like it's just one of those things (laughs) for me it was just frustrating to watch i mean to to also be fair none none of the hardly anybody in this was a trained actor as well so (laughs) yeah uh but uh yeah daniel what are your sort of general thoughts on this um, this was the first time watched for me, believe it or not. I oh, had, wow. um, you know, I, I, I you know, the, the reason I remembered the immoral Mr. T's was just because, uh, you know, that's the only other Russ Meyer film I've seen, <laughs> you know, like wow. I just haven't seen a lot of Russ Damn. Meyer stuff. Um, and originally, you know, the plan was, you know, oh, we'll do a bunch of Russ Meyer stuff. And apparently we waited five years to come back. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's great. It's great. Yeah. No, no, no problem. But, um, yeah, no, uh, uh, of course, we've seen a whole lot of like low budget stuff. You know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of was thinking a lot about like uh, even like Viva Las Vegas and that sort of thing, in terms of like some of the car chase stuff. And I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you have a this like culture of these kind of like stock car car race car races um, around this time period. Um, 
It's also, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not sure what the kind of history was and whether the fad kind of caught on and then they started making movies about it or if the movies were cheap to make. Because the whole point is you could make like a decent looking version of this for 50 grand because all you need is to rent a few cars and have some teenagers <laughs> and put them in the desert yeah. for in a, a remote days. location that no one knows about. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you just, just kind of run run circles for a while and, you know, shoot some film and then cut together and go, look, look, it's our, it's our race car movie action packed. It's uh, got a guy who's going to kiss a girl and then maybe she'll take her top off, but you won't get to see anything because that's the way we do things in 1966. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, really enjoy. I think it, I think it kind of coming at it cold. It kind of drags a little bit in the first like act or so. Um, mm-hmm. There is kind of a lot of like driving around. A lot of what what we call shoe leather or you know tire tread. I guess is what we should call it. You know, that's a yeah. thing you never want to put in your movie. Is you know like people walking from one place to another. It's very easy to as a screenwriter to write the. Oh, and then they walk up to the building, and then they enter the building, and then they open the door, and then all that gets cut. You just cut immediately into the next scene. But in this time period, you were working on a low budget, so you just filmed, <laughs> and you just yeah. put it together. And, um, you know, so th- there's a lot of that kind of stuff kind of going on here. Um, I did really appreciate all the performances. I think there was a, a risk that, you know, the, the three main actresses would be um, fairly uh, generic you know, a, a lot of times you run into these things and it's kind of like it's hard to kind of get like the different personalities of the people involved and kind of remember everybody's name and that sort of thing. Um, didn't really have that problem here. You really yeah. do have kind of three pretty distinct personalities um, to have, you know, kind of three different kinds of motives. And despite the fact that they're all kind of quote unquote bad girls, once you get into kind of the main plot around the, the farmhouse and they get into this like you know almost uh, uh texas chainsaw massacre kind of situation <laughs> going on here um it, it gets into uh, some i'm not going to say like harrowing psychological stuff but it definitely it gets much richer thematically and it really is kind of playing with some things that like almost everybody in this movie is a piece of shit and the ones mm. that aren't a piece of shit are kind of like um uh willfully blind to the yeah. pieces of shit around them and this is this is kind of a, a deep problem but um yeah overall really enjoyed the film um there's one scene at the end that kind of made me cackle with glee and i'm gonna say it's the the bit in which um our lead is trying to uh, kill the uh, the strong man and uh apparently that muscle car he's, oh my he's god <laughs> tough He's just that strong. <laughs> I mean, th- this guy is super bad. <laughs> you know, like, you got this muscle car, and it's not even the, the wheels aren't even moving. Like that's how that's how badass this guy is. He's just holding that vehicle in, well, that, in place. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, just a couple feet in either direction, the sand would have been soft enough to like to start digging wheels in the car, and he would have been dead. But otherwise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep thinking like if he's that like strong can he not just move out of the way or do something other than just like ravel to the bumper um, well i mean i mean he's he's an idiot daniel so i mean well, he can't, yeah, he, he, he's but, not gonna do it but every every kill scene with the car it was hilarious because you just kind of watch the car and then you watch the person dive and you're like where was the distance to drive the car how did that work i don't understand <laughs> like, it, was, it was funny yeah because they because at one point they slowly follow the dad around in his wheelchair, and then yeah. they, they got like maybe five feet to rev up and hit him with, you know, kind of thing. But. I, I kept, I kept thinking that this is very much like the jaw situation. Like I keep going, dun dun, 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 dun. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this film. Um, I think 
there's several reasons why I kind of consider this Russ Meyer's best film, even though he made bigger pictures that are arguably much more interesting in a lot of levels. Um, I mean, one of the things that really speaks to me of this is just like the simple sort of pot boiler noirish crime shit that he does in this. And it's kind of a Western uh, noir, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because he's got that Western setting as well. Sorry, go ahead. Pr- pretty, uh, pretty on the nose dialogue, <clears throat> sensational moments all through. Like, it's it's just constantly cutting to like, oh, either a girl's go go dancing or someone's getting karate chopped to death, or you know, <laughs> I mean, there, there's like no fat on this at all, as far as I'm concerned. Like. I, I actually kind of disagree that the first half is a little slow. Like I, I, th- I found like it was like jumping from point to point pretty quick. Um, it's done very tongue in cheek, but all of his films that he ever did like are pretty much send ups of this sort of pulpy sleaze kind of idea. Right. Like, and and the dialogue, even though it sounds very corny and stupid, the accent, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he. The way Russ Meyer wrote this shit, um, there is like, strangely enough, deeper levels to it. The the way he kind of structures it, you know, um, and this is also kind of like what I really like about this is it's 1965. This is really the dark side of the teenage hot rod beach party mm-hmm. films, like because the first two people are three trio meet in the desert are basically Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, kind of, yep. you know. And mm-hmm. and, they, and they kill Frankie Avalon and kidnap Net Funicello and are planning <laughs> on killing her later, kind of thing. And it's 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 just like Russ Myers like basically being transgressive here with this shit, right? Like yeah. he's he's very much like no fuck these mainstream movies. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna like subvert that. And I mean, I'll, I'll just, if I could just take like a second to like talk about this. Um, what I've always lo- always loved about Meyer, and he's not perfect. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't think he's like the most feminist filmmaker of his time or anything like that. But even though you know he's not necessarily like the originator of a lot of the imagery and themes he put on his films, um, and in fact, he came, he basically came from a corner of the film industry when he started out, where a lot of people were doing a lot of the same stuff he does. But he just happens to be the best when it comes to like having an eye for it and making it look really great on screen. And part of that just seems to be like how much of his kinks kind of drove his art. Like this is his fetishes on screen, right? Like yeah. it and so there's there's a neat duality there, right? Because here it's just Russ Meyer getting off. Like he he's he's putting his spank material on screen. <laughs> but as much of an old perv as he is, and he just likes big titties and dominant women, this still went on to be like kind of a feminist icon film because you would have like legit feminists like actually pulling their own interpretations from this and the stuff they sort of grab from this and and using it, you know, for their own art and their own influences and stuff like that. So, um, he certainly did, at the very least, influence feminist filmmakers and pop culture and and things like that. But um, even then, he's uh, one of the things I love about him is he's so transgressive in how he showed off women on his films for his era. Because this stuff, 
like I said, he he comes from a from a corner of the film industry that was kind of like you know considered sleazy and verboten and taboo, but he was just so good at doing it that he had mainstream success and he actually had the you know the normies watching his films and then all of a sudden it's like holy shit strong women kinky sex uh men being sexualized like women you often are and used by women and i i just for me, that's, he's got that's, two of everything, and I'm like, oh, does he have two penises? Is that what? Mm. Have <laughs> that's what you said. Three, I mean, some to spare. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. That's the that's the thing I really love about this film is that like that stuff comes out, and you don't see really any other film in 1965 that does this, right? So it's oh my god, it's uh, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, I've always kind of been attracted to to strong females. Uh, like anytime there's a movie with a strong female, it usually ends up being my favorite movie. Like even when I was younger, uh, some of my favorite James Bond movies were always the ones where either the female, um, like the Bond girl or the the villain were female and they were like badass. And this is one of those things like this. This is why I'm kind of attracted to this movie is because like the three leads are these three badass women. And what I love about them too, is that the two girls are not the stereotypical looking women. Like, they're very, uh, like, it's very cultured in looks. And I really appreciate that because that's when a lot of movies I watch, it's usually like blonde, blue eyed, mm-hmm. gorgeous ladies. These are entirely different, except for the one. The one girl is blonde and blue eyed, but all the other two, the more badass ones. <laughs> yeah, very, very, like, super exotic, even like even for the time. Like, it's like, yeah. wh- where did they come from? Holy shit, they do not look like the girl next door they, at all. They look, like, they look like they've come from Mars, to a certain mm, degree. Yeah. You know, they've, they've kind of landed somewhere, yeah. and now they're out of, like, you know, destroying this, you know, society. They they kill they kill Frankie Avalon and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, like they, you know. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't thinking about the meta-text level. I do, I do, I do like that meta-text. Like, I kind of noticed, oh, they're they're kind of doing the squares, but the fact that it's like they're literally like they look like an it from a cello, like that's like, oh yeah, no, you're right. That's clearly yeah. And another another thing I really like is uh, so this is probably even though in some ways probably Meyer's first like really transgressive film, and I mean he'd go on to like you know push boundaries in his further films and stuff, but. Um, this is, as far as I'm concerned, and, you know, I have a lot of experience watching Russ Meyer films in my teens and early 20s, and, you know, just, you know, experience. Spank, spanking experience. the meat, you know, yeah. kind of thing. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 make, I make no no bones about that, uh, although several bones were made. Um, uh, but the thing I really love about this film and what I think makes this actually kind of his sexiest film is the restraint in this. Like, the, the nudity is all you know from the back it's it's you know semi nudity right like it's 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 you know cut off and so like compared to his other films where he's just like like throwing fucking vaginas and tits everywhere in your face here he's teasing you and it's a very sexy movie in that <laughs> regard because it teases like a lot super someone likes to be teased <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean it, it, I, I just find it incredibly sexy and also it's because you know all these, all three of these female leads, um, their agency is like tip top. Like they, they, they know what they want and they go for it, kind of thing. You know, even if it's like you know murdering people, <laughs> they they still go for it. And it's I, like, 
I just I just really like that. Like I'm I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like we do have one character who is you know, the traumatized female goes into hysterics. But to be, you know, to be fair. She's presented as a teenage girl who is something. She was a teenage girl. The yeah. actress was like seventeen at this point. Exactly. So <laughs> she looks crazy young. She does. I was like, yeah. is she even old enough to be with that guy? Yeah. Like that was... <laughs> it Wait, was which sixty-five? Which... Either or, either guy, the guy at the beginning, the guy at the end. And I um, mean, it, I mean, it, it makes you feel better about the fact that Varla killed him, basically, because it's like, what are you doing with this chick who's probably like ten years younger than you, you creep? I okay. So the last line in this movie, I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, when he's like, "You saved me," she's like, "Yeah." I saved myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. It was like that moment of saying like, okay, cool. Yeah, I saved you. But guess what? I saved me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time I asked you to save me, you couldn't do it. I saved myself. <laughs> That's the thing. Even- in fact, I run into you and you're like, no, no, I'm just going to take you to my dad. Take you back. He's, like, He's going to yeah, be fine. Yeah. We'll go you back know, I know here. my dad's a rapist, but whatever. And I thought there was, was going to be this twist where it turns out that he's like in on the whole thing like the whole time. But no, he's just like this like dipshit. He's a dipshit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, all, all the men he's, in this are dipshits. Like they're all. Well, they all, all this are. shit is like happening under his nose and he's just like turning a blind eye or something. You know, like, well, it's, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's that tends to be normal though. Like in any um, situation where you know someone close to you is uh, doing something wrong, there's a lot of times where you kind of turn the blind eye until like it really hits you in the face. So I think that's kind of what they did. Like the guy knew something was up, but it's like this is his father. Is the implication that the father is like raping girls, or is the implication Uh, that the father is murdering girls? They they hint they hint at both. I think because like. Like, uh, like I, I got the impression he's basically a murderous pedophile, basically. Like, mm, and, and mm-hmm. you know, like he's got this trauma from the train accident where he saved a girl, and the girl apparently never thanked him or anything, just jumped on the next train and <laughs> rode off or right. something like that. <laughs> apparently, that's his deep trauma and sorrow, and now he's like. He he hints at like there's been other girls at the ranch and they've been He's murdered. He's sitting there on incels.co. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, they took the land injured. and hiding bodies. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty interesting that that's even a line that sociopathic killer and kidnapper Varla won't cross. She's like, no fuck you, dude. You're a piece of shit. Although you know she's not above you know baiting him. With our innocent beach bunny, but she's like, "You ain't raping her, bit motherfucker." We're, we yeah, might, I'm protecting this girl. <laughs> yeah, we we might kill her later and leave her out for the buzzards to pick in the desert, but you are not raping her, you motherfucker. <laughs> so, like that that speaks to like a deeper character Volumes. thing. Like that that speaks to the fact that Tora Santana is not really acting in this film. She's really just like playing herself kind of thing. And like, she's taking her actual background into account for the character she's playing, which is just like, these are all amateur actresses and they're all fucking great. Like they all fucking solidify like really iconic performances here that it's just like, it should not be this good. Like this movie should not be as good as it actually is, but the performers are so good that it actually elevates shit, like, to a degree that, you know, it's just like, fuck. Yeah, 1965, th- this movie should not be this good in 1965, but it is. And I laughed, you know. uh, I laughed a couple times because I found that, um, uh, 
when she talked, she always had like that badass bitch voice. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of made me laugh. Cause every time she talked, she's like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to be super tough. And I, I, I don't know. I loved it. But she, but she, she also shows she's a good actress. Though she changes, like she, she does, you know, she does the 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 kick ass bullying thing, especially when she's with her two other girls. Like you know, she, she, uh, <laughs> she, she really, she really goes after Billy a lot. You know, like she's like, yeah. "Fuck you, you, you blonde bitch!" Like fuck off. And she, she dominates Rosie. Rosie obviously has like a lesbian attraction to her. That's yes. Like that, that, that subtext is not even really subtext. It's, it's pretty much clear on the, in the film, but she, she turns on like the innocent caring person whenever she needs to, mm-hmm. to, to like sucker people in to when her she's like seducing Kirk, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. She, um, I just think it's really cool. Cause like we had talked about this previously about like how she took her anger in her background and made the character. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really interesting how you mentioned like, cool, we're going to kill her, but guess what you ain't raping her and that's that's i think was kind of cool like i i really think um she really did take her background and was like hold on i'm gonna be evil i'm gonna be terrible i'm gonna be badass but this is not happening yeah so i i i respect that i think she she wants she wants total control like of the situation no matter what so she she decides what happens basically yeah it's her whole character right i was kind of in love with billy though um like I, I just, she was, she's it's so beautiful. Be. I mean, it's just hard not to be. Yeah. She was wearing the the high top, and she's like curvy and beautiful, and like every time she danced and her cute mm-hmm. little voice that she used, oh my god, like she's so less serious. She wants to have fun, right? Like she, yeah. she, she, she takes the old man's fucking bottle and gets drunk at the fucking mm-hmm. uh, lunch or whatever, you know. Cause she she's just like I'm here for kicks. I'm not here for like this crime. Yeah, shit. I want to murder people. I want to get drunk. <laughs> I want to get, get drunk. And I want to fuck the hunk. That's all I want to do here. I yes. And yeah, she's used. and and she's used to you know like uh, to like objectify the male meat in the film, right? Because she's the one who's like, oh fuck! Like she sees that dude at the gas station. She's like. Oh shit! I could get myself some of that. I could I could use that all day, you know, kind of thing. The the gas station tent goes up. Yeah, he's really stupid. He's really dumb. <laughs> is he cinema's first himbo? Is the question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I doubt it, but he's a pretty iconic one I, either I way. Think the, I think the himbo does have to be like a, has to be really really kind and good hearted, which this guy is actually like a, you know doesn't quite match doesn't quite match that. Well, he he's psychologically abused by his dad. Right. Yeah. Right, so yeah. And presumably, like burying bodies on a regular basis. You know, like, and depending on when he started too, it could have been young, and then mm-hmm. like the insecure attachment could settled in and the lack of education so yeah and and you get the feeling he has killed people before because he has like you know he he's remorseful over the fact that bill he sees billy's body with the fucking dagger or the knife yeah. in, in her and you know uh varla's like rosie get that fucking dagger out of that bitch so we can you know destroy the evidence and get out of here and so she goes over to him and is like well here here uh hunk of meat please pull that dagger out of this body for me and he can give it to me. And he just like stabs her to death. And yeah, it, it kind of feels like he's done that before at some point, like kind of thing. He's assisted in these murders. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's just a damaged trained. Innocent. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it would be fascinating to see what Tarantino was planning to do by remaking this and putting Britney Spears in it. Like, that's, I don't know. He's got that. I mean, I that was what, like 2008 or something? If I yeah, it, it, it was long in plans, from what I understand. But I mean, like, Tarantino in interviews is constantly like, what's your next project? Oh, I'm going to do a Star Trek movie. Yeah. All right. Great. For years, it was like James Bond. I'm way into doing a James Bond flick. You know, it's going to be non canonical. And, uh, you know, he, what are you going to do? Faster Pussycat. I'm going to do a remake because I'm Britney Spears. It's going to be great. Well, you, well, you, you know, know what? That, that's what I love about Tarantino. Like, he's pretty honest. Like, he wears Hollywood on his sleeve, kind of. Right. Like, all these. All the, this happens all the time in Hollywood. It, all the time, there's people like, we're writing the next James Bond, we're writing the next Star Trek, we're writing the next remake of some classic film, and they don't talk about it. But Tarantino talks about it. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing next. And it probably doesn't happen. Like, he's probably had so many projects come across yeah, I just desk. There needs to be a Wikipedia page that's like the list of projects Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. has said he is involved I in. I could definitely appreciate that he actually says like things that he wants to remake because that's how I discovered this movie. Because then it's kind of going back and be like, oh, cool, let me check it out first. Mm-hmm. So instead of just kind of like hitting gems, hidden gems, he's actually kind of bringing them out. Whether or not he does something with them um, is entirely different, but... And I, th- yeah. I th- yeah, and I think he knows that even if he talks about shit, people are gonna like look it up. Like, and, yeah, well, and, yeah, exactly. I, mean, mm-hmm. I discovered a whole lot of stuff from you know interviews mm-hmm. that he gave, and you know all that sort of. So you know, there's certainly, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we the Tarantino conversation happens a lot on this podcast. Yeah, so we, we didn't have to <laughs> get into that so far, but you know, yeah, uh, I I do have to say, uh, Varla's dance at the beginning. Like she's doing that back bridge thing mm-hmm. with her hands. Mm-hmm. How? How? How do you do? It? How is that possible? I don't understand. How, how do you do it? She got started. She got started when she was thirteen. That's yeah, I get they, that. I but mean, how? I mean, <laughs> like they, I watched... both her and Haji have like dancer bodies from their early teens, yeah. and it's yeah. like well, you, you you can fucking see it, man. Like you look at that, like the core strength in all three of those women. Oh yeah. yeah, they're they're like okay, they're they're. It's fun. I can. Um, I really enjoyed uh, who they picked as well because this was, I believe, just was during the time of Twiggy, where like being skinny was really popular. Mm-hmm. And these women are not. These women are like they're. I don't want to say thick. They're muscular. They're strong. They're. They've got body to them. They've got curves. Like oh uh, well, there's there, there's a great shot where Varla and Rosie are looking at. Uh, I, th- I think they're looking at the old man in the wheelchair, and the shot is from their asses, like point of view on their ass, and then through their legs to the old man or whatever. And you can see Tora Santana; she's got a booty going on, like it's super wide. And Haji's got this like really tight dancer's ass, and it's like, yeah, okay, like Russ Meyer sneaking his camera in every fucking angle. And you see these angles through the rest of his movies, like looking up, you know, looking through, looking from behind. Like he 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 knows the female form he form he likes to see, and he photographs it like to I an don't, expert degree. I don't understand why they gave uh, Rosie an accent though. Like that confused me. I think they're trying to portray her as kind of a Latina. Like she was Italian because she mentioned uh, mafia and she mentioned a couple other things and some of the mm. hand gestures uh, that she did were were Italian. I had like, the spaghetti yeah. in the mafia. Yeah. You see, yes, <laughs> this like, is she the even character did, like, development. 
she did some of the hand gestures too that like I know my mom used to do when I was younger so uh I I caught on to like the Italian but I was like why bother with the accent like I didn't see she needed an accent I guess I, I guess I, I guess he must have felt like it's like 1965 we have these like two super exotic women one of them needs to be like Italian in descent because she just looks <sighs> a little she looks a little too dark to be white you know I guess she's so beautiful though they're both like all three They're of them, all, are fucking all four. I mean, you know. Yeah, all four. The yeah, one that's yeah. underage, we're gonna, we're gonna like lean, we're gonna lean away from that. Yeah, I am gonna lean away from that. By this point, yeah. but, you know. I am absolutely. She, away. I I thought she was cute, but I I wasn't as into it as the, like the three other women. I thought the three other women. I was like obsessed. She appeared in Playboy the year after this was made. Mm-hmm. Then she yeah. was eighteen. Then <laughs> she was eighteen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I just I. The casting, I love those women. They were, and they were tall too. Like, well, not I, everyone's tall to me, but I think they're like five foot seven, five foot eight. Like, they were, they were above average height. They're women. all, they're all like, they're all presented as like Amazonian, like kick-ass women, and they all, they all have the dancer bodies. They're all, you know, they're all like super supple and and oh, just attractive. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, Russ Myers fetishes are right up on screen and he knows how to shoot women like if, if you can say one thing positive about Russ Meyer and I can say a lot of things positive about him but if it I don't think anyone can deny that he knew how to shoot women on film like that I mean he 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 really he 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 really sort of like idolized and like uh, he respected de- women too deified well to a certain to degree I, 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 I think I think Tura Satana might have uh, some disagreements if she was still alive, you know, to say like, because there, there was, like he she never showed up in another one of his films for like I think good reason. There, there was, was a like, personality conflict at least. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, yeah, I mean that's but that's a that's not uncommon that you know a lead actress and a director have personality conflicts or that you know people it, it happens. You know? Yeah, I kind of uh, I'm kind of curious because like at least from what I read, like it wasn't as bad. Like I, I hear a lot of things in Hollywood. I read a lot about it and, uh, it's a lot of actresses go through a ton of shit with directors and just casting well, and everything. So I can't, I can't, I can't say I've ever like heard any real stories about Russ Meyer being like a creep necessarily. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, from, what I, from what I understand, most of the people who ever worked with him are like, it was cool. Yeah, especially like back in the day too. Like women didn't have nearly as many rights when it came to all this stuff. So, well, one of the things that you kind of run into when you like the the Rialto report. I know I've said this before mm-hmm. on this podcast, but um, if you listen to you know, and this is this is later and this is hardcore, um, but similar things kind of follow that. Um, you know, women were, you know, kind of early adult film actresses in the 70s and 80s. You know, you ask them, like, so why did you get into the industry? You know, and it's like, well, you know, I was trying to get into mainstream and I couldn't quite get into it. And sometimes they have a similar story like that. And sometimes they say, well, if I was going to get cast in a Hollywood picture, then I had to uh, go to the Hollywood party and blow a bunch of people. Yeah. And they put me in the movie. But, like, I had to go and actually, like, give that of myself. But if I was in a pornographic movie, I mean, sure, I'd be having sex on camera, but, like, they didn't do any of that shit. They just, like, because, because we were in this kind of scuzzy industry, because we were in this kind of quasi-legal place to begin with, like, there was no, and they weren't giving me any clout, right? I wasn't getting anything, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing the thing. Suddenly, like, it was all just about board. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you're going to fuck your co-star, but, like, it's, 
that's just the movie, you know, like, yeah. and, and it's just, it's just a very different kind of attitude. And, um, Russ Meyer was asked, I mean, you know, because he never did any hardcore. Um, and, uh, you know, there were two reasons for that. One is that, uh, at the time that he got started, uh, the hardcore was just mob. It was just the mob. mob yeah. Mob bone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the other part was, uh, you know, <laughs> apparently Russ Meyer had no interest in anything below the waist. It was, he was just, he wanted, <laughs> yeah. he wanted boobs. That's all he cared about was big boobs boosting out of bustiers that's literally what uh, russ meyer was interested in that's what you get when you get it oh russ yeah meyer no thing, you, you, you watch all the shots like you, if you look at a woman like uh, at the waist in his shots like it's a woman thrusting into a dude basically like that's mm-hmm. all there is like that that is, that is his fetish like it's dominating woman on top kind of thing yeah i have uh I think I, now that I've learned more about this, um, I can definitely appreciate more that there was no uh, boob shown, that it was all covered up, just because of like what you said that he usually does it. So it's like literally more of a tease, and I think that's I definitely can appreciate more. I of mean, that. yeah, he's he's definitely showing restraint here because like he had you know a couple films before this where he's just got boobs out everywhere kind of thing so it's yeah like, i mean he got started making literally nudist pictures i mean that's yeah. what the immoral mr tease is it's just nudie you know, cuties documentary with like yeah. women lounging around and i mean you know that's pretty much the movie yeah so yeah uh do we have anything else to say or can we move into uh trivia i, I think we all kind of agree this is a really awesome fucking film yes yes I just, I just was thinking just briefly that uh, what if three ladies hadn't been there, if our, if our vixens had not been on that salt flat that day, mm-hmm. and our, you know, <laughs> what, what are their names? Sorry, Varla, <laughs> and, um, Rosie, and Billy. If, uh, no, if Linda and uh, Tommy, I guess is the uh, is the uh, other guy. If the if the two teenagers didn't sh- showed up there, yeah. And, is he just? Is she just gonna time him while he drives this yes. little straightaway like twenty yes. times, and then yes. she's gonna get back in the car and go home? Like that feels that doesn't feel like a very fun date to me. You know? No. I don't know. Like it just it feels very now probably a better date than being kidnapped and nearly murdered by like five people. But uh, I don't know. Does not Pretty sound exciting. Like a really great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she's she's presented as like the uh, you know the. Yes, dear. The, the the typical yes, dear female. It's yeah, like, oh, right. dude, I got this great guy. He really likes me. We're going to get married at some point. So, I'm, of course, I'm going to be into his interests. And his interest is in his fucking car and getting and the best time. I'm mm. not independent. I have no... Exactly. Pastimes. She, I have no interest. She's got, a, she's got her little seat and she's got a little cooler full of soft drinks and she's just gonna sit mm-hmm. there. And, and I mean, them. I mean, yeah. fucking, fucking kudos to Russ Meyer for like pointing that out. Like, this beach party bullshit is actually fucking bullshit. Like this, you know, we, we'll we'll take fucking Annette Funicello and we'll put her through some real fucking peril and have her like come out the end a different person. You know, kind of thing. like. <laughs> I saved myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like fucking cuz what's her fucking what's her fucking end game with this dude? He knocks her up and divorces her at some point like 10 years later and she's like, you know, like putting down the fucking little yellow pills, the mama's little helpers or whatever and 
you know, she's divorced with like two kids and she ends up like a wine mom in the seventies, you know, yeah. and then, and then Frankie Avalon full of polyester. That's the, yeah. uh, that's her and, future. And then Frankie Avalon motherfucker like goes on to like get a fucking beer gut and he's still working on cars. He maybe opens a garage somewhere and he's a fucking asshole. Like, I mean, you know, as much as Varla is a sociopath, she did her a favor by killing that motherfucker. Like, just, she did. Yeah. And she it's landed pretty, on the right path. <laughs> it's pretty violent, too. Like, fucking, you know, for what sex is not in this film, the violence is pretty extreme. She pulls mm-hmm. that dude's fucking arms up and breaks his fucking neck, neck by stepping that, on that, his That's head. an Those impressive bit of sound design, too. Um, <laughs> Those karate chops made me laugh. Oh, yeah. my God. I... Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I love Varla's laugh too, like where she gets really in. <laughs> exactly. Yes, where she gets right into like, oh, we're fucking these dudes over, and then it's it's good stuff. It's, I mean, you you can see where like even even if Russ Meyer wasn't like the biggest feminist icon you could ever like point to, you could see where like feminists would have like get you know sort of gathered like some really good stuff from this. Like, some yeah, really there's a, there's a, there's a real even at the time you can see this kind of like bifurcation of like the way people responded to it, and it was it was it was received more warmly kind of down the line when mm-hmm. some of the some of the scuzziness kind of wore off of it as this sort of the culture yeah. uh, matured a bit. You know, um, you know he had the he had the luck to die young or not young, yeah. but he died he died in two thousand four as well because I feel like you know. Like Hugh Hefner, if he died in like 1995, we'd have a much more positive view of him than we do today. Uh, Because he was scuzzy for a long, long time. But there was this moment in which if he had just died and we didn't have that whole girls next door bullshit to deal with. I could see that. I could see that. I, You know what? I... I'm not going to say Russ Meyer is perfect, but I kind of I get the feeling he's not as bad as Hugh Hefner. No, I, 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 I'm not trying to make the direct parallel. I'm just saying, like you know, yeah. there, there is that there is that kind of thing in which you know nobody Russ Meyer never never got to the point. He wasn't like hanging around with like 20 year old blonde girls, you know, no, no, his, no. no or marrying like 18 year olds. I mean, he. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was in committed relationships. Yep. So I mean, you know, you got to give him credit for that. Like he, he, he had his fetishes, and you know, you you can criticize them all you want. I'm not going to criticize him because I think, yeah, go go, dude. You got your fetishes, whatever. But I mean, yeah, no, I I mean, for all for all his faults, I think Russ Myers is pretty much cool. I um, uh, I definitely have to say, like, uh, it's it's still it's still like, even like when we women watch it like it's still an empowering movie uh even though it was made in the 60s we're 2020 now and uh women who are like uh kind of sexually prominent like they're 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 attractive women and they know they're attractive and they they know they what they want they know they like sex like that kind of stuff it's still seen as very negative and then seeing these women um is still very empowering for a lot of females nowadays uh just that Mm -hmm. like sexual positive like um the fact that they're go-go dancers and they're badass bitches the fact that they're like yeah i'm gonna treat you like a piece of meat and you're gonna deal with it and they're just these strong women and it's it's hilarious to think and sad at the same time how many movies have females have where they've had strong characters like that where they've been the lead and they haven't had like a fucking man to come rescue them or do something stupid fall in love like the one girl wasn't in love she was just horny 
And the other girl was just seducing the other guy. And the girl at the end even was just like, yeah, I saved myself. Like, it was just these small things. That's why I'm so loving that line. Because instead of being like, oh, I'm amazed by this guy. She's like, nah, bitch, I saved me. (laughs) I did it for me. (laughs) So, yeah. It's not hard to imagine the other, I mean, another, very, very easily, they write the movie slightly differently. And uh, Kirk just kills, just kills Farla and mm. he gets up and, he, and then like he want, he stumbles over to the, to the truck and yeah. he like, puts his arms around her and just goes, all right, let's go, let's get away from here. And like, that's a <laughs> super, super, like it would, like, it would be so easy to just write that ending. Like it just, it's, it's practically like, that's the way you just do and, these things. And it, and it would, yeah, it would play better for 1965, right? He kills Varla. He gets up. He, he he takes the he takes the chick in his arms, slaps her on the ass, her bikini clad ass, and then yes. let let's let's go, baby. I mean, yes. I mean, some hold on, let's 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 hold back just a little bit and go. Some of that sounds fine. No, I mean, just just, <laughs> just to be clear, you know. I mean, I mean, if consent is involved, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I mean, you know, like yeah, no, yeah. yeah. She was also seventeen. He was like what forty? Like come on now. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely looked forty. No, he was he was he was in his thirties. He actually died young. He died in like seventy three. Yeah, he did. He died of brain cancer. Yeah. Yeah, he but died he in like forty one. The way they did his hair looked, and the way yeah. it was like presented was he looked a lot older. Um, yep. uh, well, I mean, also that that's a thing Daniel and I have encountered a lot where we've been like starting from the beginning of movies. A lot of these people in films, they look super older than they actually were. It was just like kind of a lifestyle thing. So like this guy looked 45 and he was probably like, what, 30? <laughs> he, he was like 35, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of trivia here. Uh, so for the cat fight scene between Rosie and Billy, Russ Meyer told them not to rehearse. And to, so, you know, to add re- realism. So he gave them directions not to hit each other, but sure no one was hurt. But uh, because the fight is real, you can see genuine hair pulling uh, from each woman and throwing sand in each other's faces. So, you know, they went they went for it, you know. Yeah, uh, well, you so. know. <laughs> oh, I totally uh, forgot to mention something earlier. Sorry, I have to interrupt. Mm-hmm. But the sand throwing thing just reminded me. When uh, the vegetable was attacking the the younger girl, I can't remember her mm-hmm. name, but as soon as she threw sand in his face, I was like, "Yes!" Because instead of making her look completely defenseless, like the guy was huge, she took what she had, and I thought that was actually like, I don't I don't know if anyone else kind of saw that, but I was like, "That's a, no, no, that's a smart move. That is what you do. You take what you have. Like that gives you time to like save yourself." She was, okay. I mean, this is probably like the most peril that you can see that of anyone that's kind of in in the scene because you know this is right after he's literally like <laughs> like, like no that's that's slightly before but the um the the low angle shot of him like I'm sitting there thinking like this guy looks like Frankenstein mm-hmm. you know it's like Frankenstein and the and the and the little girl by the by the lake you know yeah. sort of thing like that's the that's the level of menace that you're sort of getting from this guy at that point I mean you know when I when I made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference I mean you know I'm, I'm not I'm not really joking I mean it, it no. has some he of those same kind of vibes yeah and she's five foot two I don't know how tall he is but he's like yeah. six something definitely mm-hmm. like yeah uh, so so Tura Santana legally owned her likeness and image. So whenever mm. Russ Meyer wanted to change the artwork or re-release the movie in some format, he had to get her permission and sometimes pay her all over again. That's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Good so, on her. So that, that's kind of, you can see why she never acted in another one of his movies. Cause <laughs> mm. it was like, no, 
I don't need anyone button heads with me. I don't need someone who's like alpha male doesn't need alpha female button heads, I guess, this kind of thing, you know. But Yeah. Well and there's a you know, the, the capitalist doesn't want to uh, actually uh, pay the workers what their work <laughs> right. is actually you know. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the, the, the hidden subtext there. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, oh well I just hired a bunch of these seventeen year old models to get them to sign away their lives and then I made money off of them for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feminist hero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you know, according to Roger Ebert, who was, you know, a collaborator with Russ Meyer early on, uh, said Varla's unsuccessful attempt to run over vegetable uh, pounding repeatedly on the gas, gas pedal was acknowledge, acknowledges to her not being able to get an erection, basically. Like, yeah. so, you know, interesting. Like, she could not man up enough to beat him or something like that, I guess, is kind of like. Maybe I mean I I, I, I kind of disagree. I I totally disagree with that. But you know you know Roger Ebert whatever. Ebert's Ebert's got his Ebert has his good days and bad days. Yeah, I think that's like the whole like stereotypical strength of someone who's not all there. Like that was Mm. what they were trying to show. Yeah. Versus the sexist thing of not being. Yeah, I I wanted to put that. I wanted to put that trivia point on here because I thought it was pretty dodgy. I knew someone was going to pick it apart. When did he he say that? Was that like back in the day, or was that was that when he reviewed it in like two thousand four or whatever? See, I did not check, so I I assume this is probably from his review or or an interview of some sort, right? Because because this movie came out before. (laughs) This movie came out before. Sorry, I'm a Roger Ebert nerd. This movie, he didn't start reviewing movies until 1967, and so this mm-hmm. movie was released before that. Yeah. But he did collaborate with Russ Meyer later, and then eventually, I know he reviewed it like upon like some later re-release. So I mean, you know, that's if it was something he said in like 1972, you kind of go, eh. If yeah. he did, it's 1972, but if he said it in like 2007, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's really yeah that that's awful. that's a weird that's a weird flex at that point roger well like yeah, yeah i don't know um it's kind of an asshole thing to say yeah it kind of <laughs> is uh so i just i just wanted to mention quickly like this movie has been super influential in pop culture like to the degree where people kind of based their careers around this fucking movie almost um a lot of uh, music videos and music yeah. artists use the imagery from this shit. Uh, like I could go deeper into like movies and stuff like that, but I mean, uh, most notable like uh, there was a band called Faster Pussycat that took the name from this. Uh, White Zombie, their Thunder Kiss '65 video is very heavy into this imagery. The Spice Girls for "Say You'll Be There." Their whole oh, video is based around this. Uh, there's there's another band I love, uh, Boss Hog, which is uh, fronted by the wife of John Spencer from the John Spencer <coughs> Blues Explosion, and he's actually in the video and is in the song I Dig You. Uh, that's a good video. Uh, just a bunch of females kicking dudes' asses. Uh, I love it. In, in, the, in the desert. <laughs> and um, I'll mention one movie that is a direct homage to this. Um is called Pervert with an exclamation point, and it stars porn star Mary Carey in it. 
but it's not no. a porn movie. But there's plenty of softcore sex and boobies bouncing around stuff. So this is like 2000s, like 2002 yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and they directly like lift scenes from it. Like you know, we're see where Varla is like eating the corn and trying to seduce the dude. There's a scene. <laughs> there's a scene where Mary Carey is eating the corn and she's got like butter on the corn and the butter falls off onto her tits and stuff like that. Like mm. yeah. <laughs> That corn scene made me laugh. I was like, yeah. can you make eating corn sexy? I didn't find that sexy. I don't know. Maybe you guys sounded sexy, but I didn't. I, I'm like... I thought vegetable housing those chicken wings was kind of the, uh, you know, like that's the <laughs> that's the real erotic moment. The real erotic energy is coming from this guy. Like, I need another. I need a thigh and a breast and another breast. You can have all you want, son. Eat them all. We're yeah, going to kill him later. It's fine. Give him one of each. I mean, he's he's a hungry boy. That machine needs a lot of fuel. I do like the idea that he shared his whiskey with her, even if it was just Cuddy Sark. It is kind of like, oh, sure, no, that's fine. Drink my whiskey. I kind of feel like Cuddy Sark was better back then, too, maybe. Yeah, probably. That old man made me so angry. Some of the comments they made, I was like, it's just smoothie Lee. It's just a movie, <laughs> which is a good, which is good. That's the purpose. Oh, he's a bastard. Him. I mean, he's a really good villain here. Sorry, yeah, extending this, but like he's a, he's, yeah, I mean, he's like the real actor here, right? Yeah, like he had a, he had a really long career, and he's, I mean, he's just this like delightful villain. Just, I mean, so shitty. Such like, a, such a giant piece of shit. Just and a I wanted him to run shit. over. Yeah, and he ramps it up to like the the time where he. He he basically pulls himself out of the truck and drags himself across the sand, just like yeah, throwing yeah. those lines out and stuff. Like you know, you know, the, he threw the keys away and they're lost, and you, you know you're never gonna get I got, back. I got I got flashbacks to like Breaking Bad during that sequence. Like that's how intense that starts. It's very to get. Breaking like, Badish, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. To say this is Breaking Badish, no, Breaking Bad is Breaking, I mean, <laughs> faster no, 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 pussycatish. No, no, no. It, it's just trying yes. to give you the level of intensity. Is yeah, is kind of that's where they got it from. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, great. So, um, Lady Lee, do, do you have anything you need to plug? Like, if there's if there's like any sort of project you've been involved in, or anyone you know you want to you want to throw out there, we'll link to it if if you want to. Um, I don't have much. Like I mentioned earlier about Ghost Beaver Kick. Uh, that's mm-hmm. like the one that you can find. Um, I'm trying to think. There's like play stuff that I've done that you can find on YouTube as well. Uh, it's under Bay at the Moon Productions. Um, it's not much. There's like four plays that I did. So then you get to see my acting chops. And I think next one I will try and remember some of my friends' stuff because I have some friends who do reviews on movies as well. Cool. So I will let you know on that one for next show because I think. The next one we already talked about. Invasion of Body Snatchers? Yes. 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 So I will. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, Daniel, you and I both talked maybe possibly like getting like a big fucking podcast together with some of our mutual friends and like talking about both the the original the 50, and the, the 78. 56 and 78, yeah. I think, is the years. Yeah, no, sure. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. That'll be twenty. Yeah, we'll do that in like hundred and fifty episodes or so. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm pretty determined that that's going to be early twenty twenty one. Okay. So, but uh, thank you very much, Lee. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm glad you you came on, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, you're you're invited back for any time. But you thank know. you. 
I honestly really appreciate it. Like I was saying, I'm a, a massive fan of the podcast. Uh, we so really being just on like it. people that are, we like we like people who are fans of us. Who you just yeah. like, tell us right here. That's the. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna be the groupie. <laughs> What's your favorite? They must be destroyed on side episode. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I really enjoyed the one that you did on uh, Snatch because that is like yep. one of my absolute favorite movies. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I did get a really good laugh on the one of um, the, oh my God, what's it called? Uh, Dead Snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, that's uh, going back a ways. That's told a way back. Told you. Yeah. I was watching them. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, Fugitive from Chain, Chain Gang. Gang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one was another one. Cause that's, that's the reason why I watched the movie was literally cause of your guys podcast. So cool no i i wasn't actually <laughs> i was fine sorry i was just joking but thank you it's nice yeah uh well, there you go i do have favorites <laughs> yeah <laughs> see you you tried to fucking uh stump her and she called you out on it daniel yeah no, well, we're just we're just losers we're just old men that's all yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i'm a loser too so it just works out well <laughs> <laughs> i'll agree to disagree okay uh daniel where where can people find you what's going on you can find me on the internet if you choose to just go to internet.com and search for me and then I will be there no. no i'm on twitter uh daniel lee harper um i had a little uh, long thread about inglorious bastards today i got asked oh. some questions about it and uh you know kind of was talking about my interpretation of that film as kind of being more about the war on terror than actual Nazis, um, and uh, <laughs> you know, went off pretty well, I think. Um, also, recently, I watched The Rise of Skywalker for the first time, and I did a little thread about that a few days ago. So, if you go search, if you, I do talk about movies sometimes, but mostly, uh, my Twitter feed is not talking about movies; it is talking about Nazis. Because uh, my other big project that I do is another podcast, which surely you know about if you've been listening mm-hmm. to the show for a while. Scott, I don't speak German. Uh, and it's about uh, my experience of listening to Nazi propaganda for the last four and a half, well, God, almost five years now. Mm. And um, the trouble that these dipshits get into when they think we're not listening. So if you want to thoroughly depress yourself, that would be a way to do it. Go and listen. Yeah. And it's great stuff either way, you know. Even I'll if have you're to gonna, watch it. Even if you're going to depress listen yourself, to like listening to that shit, it's it's actually important work. So uh, you know, give Daniel a listen. Um, <laughs> I get Nazi death threats. It's fine. Come on. Yeah, like, it's, what a, it's funny. Know, it's funny. We get death, get, death, get death threats for that one. Not this one. Nobody ever says, you know, like you didn't like the gas pump, girls. I'm gonna burn your house down. Just doesn't doesn't seem to happen. I feel like uh, this is a friendlier podcast, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It, it, yeah. it's pretty much night and day. Yeah, but uh, uh, if you want to hear more of this, go to tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find all of our other episodes from this podcast and our sort of sub podcasts like Blood on the Tracks and uh, Cape Shit, and we got the the Wolfman Lee Van Teeth. His show is mm. s- sort of coming out. You know, here and there, I've got to like get that motherfucker in fucking step. He he does not listen to me a lot. He hates me. I hate him. But he he brings in the viewers. So, you know, yeah. motherfucker um, more than I do. So yeah, good. I, I I don't know about that. I I think you're better than the Wolfman. You got more hair than he does. Um, well, 
Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. But uh, that, that's where you can find us. And uh, next time is going to be our best first time watches of 2020. No. Best and worst. Best. And yeah, worst. We're, we're, we're definitely going to have some worst as well. Um, Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan. Yeah, Charlie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've watched some terrible movies this year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if you want to come back. I, I can list. I think I told you about them. I watched so many of them this year. I think I've watched way more terrible movies than I have good movies. Like my well, repertoire yeah. for garbage movies has become immense. Like I'm shocked <laughs> at the patience to watch these movies. <laughs> well, like like I said, if you want to come back anytime you want. Yeah, you can be a regular guest, Phil. For, yeah. for you know, you're welcome. So yeah. Definitely. I usually work Saturdays, but uh, definitely, uh, if I'm free, I'll absolutely join you guys. Awesome. Cool. All right. And until then, uh, thank you, Lee. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want wild living fast and if you to end up giving your all. Let me call. Pussycat is living reckless. Pussycat is right high. If you think that you can dream up, well, just you try. It's sad she doesn't say what's wrong from right. She's running fast and free. Child of listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Drive through.